Well, I want to say welcome this morning to those of you who are here in the house. Thank you guys so much for being here. I want to also say welcome to the go- those of you who are out on the backstage patio, our brand new venue, um, and uh, tuning in at home and watching online. Why don't we here in the house give it up for the venue out back and the ones who are online. Thank you guys so much for joining, and uh, I hear there's about 15 people out on the patio on a, uh, a nice, beautiful low country morning, a little bit windy, um, and I think there's a competition there between the people from Atlanta and Ohio, and uh, I, I think I know who's going to win that eventually, uh, and I'm not going to say because I'm from Atlanta, and it's a little disappointing. So anyway, uh, glad that you're here. This morning, we are diving into a brand new series called Different, and we're going to be taking a five-week journey uh, in, a, in this series that I have really been praying through and studying for some time now. And it's interesting because every time uh, that I think, well, you know, like the world seems to be like just taking a step in the right direction away from like some of the stuff that's happened over the past few months, and I think maybe we don't need this as a church, um, something happens in the world that reminds me that we always are going to need to be reminded about the things uh, that we're going to be talking about here over these next few weeks. And uh, it'll be a fun ride. It'll be an interesting ride. It will definitely be a different ride, uh, but I'm excited about what the Holy Spirit has to teach us during um, this real strong time of uncertainty um, in our world. And I kind of want you to know like where this comes from, where this um, whole concept and what we're going to be diving into. And today is a bit like of an overview message, but I'm, I know that there are some lessons that we're going to learn and there's some things that God's Word, I believe, is going to teach us here this morning. But I want you guys to know that this comes from, from a desire on my part and many pastors' part to see the church lead in the midst of crisis, to see the church lead the way in the midst of crisis. Because here's one thing I know, and I'll touch on this later, and we'll touch on it in a few weeks. I know this, that um, the world is looking for answers. And the church, those of you who are part of the church, those of you who are Jesus followers or Christ followers or Christians, we have the answer to the world's greatest problems, don't we? The problem is, is that it gets kind of hidden in the fog of the world. It gets hidden in the mist of the life that we are living. Now, um, I don't need to recap, but just to emphasize, I want to recap what has taken place in our world over the past year. And I want you to, 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 for a moment, kind of transport yourself to a year ago today, like the last Sunday in January, uh, like a year ago today. If I were telling you what I'm about ready to tell you, you would think I'm nuts or you've been like in hiding somewhere. Over the past year, we have seen a pandemic. You guys know about that, right? So we've seen a pandemic that the world never could have imagined that we still can't quite figure out that has become one of the most divisive things I've ever seen, not only in the world, but in the church. We've had this pandemic that has caused a lot of you to be underemployed or you've seen your businesses uh, go, go bust. Uh, it has affected Main Street in a, in a wild way. We have the never-ending uh, desire and, and uh, uh, kind of fight and, and race to figure this thing out. 
local businesses being would be devastated, scandal all over the place. Um, we saw this summer, actually late in the spring, uh, we saw that racism here in America and around the world is still deeply rooted. And many of you are going, yeah, we knew that was true. It just reared its ugly head in very public ways, and that would be true. We've seen this thing of racism. We, we've seen the ongoing violence that has occurred because as a result of that. Um, we have seen the, the ugliest election cycle of, of, I think, of any generation here in America. Um, and, and just when we thought that we were entering 2021 and we were all filled with hope, um, things got what seems like a little bit worse, right? Capital riots and pictures of things that we never thought possible. Now, just for, for, for a moment, uh, oh, and I, I didn't even mention some of the natural disasters that we've seen, like Australia on fire. That seems like a decade ago, doesn't it? Uh, the California fires, locusts ravaging uh, Africa and uh, the, uh, the Far East. It's been an amazingly ridiculous year. And if I transported you to a year ago, the last Sunday in January of 2020, you would think I'm nuts. There's no way that that happened over the course of the last year. Like, Todd, you must have been watching some kind of, you know, uh, you know kind of like bad like action movie or really good horror movie, maybe. Like, that's what you've been like tuning into and what you're telling us is false. I mean, it's kind of hard to believe when you really think about it, what we've been through. And I think if there's anything that our world has become aware of is a result of all the crisis has revealed how incredibly different we are from each other, how incredibly different humanity is. There's no one person alike. There's no one group of people that are alike. We all have our different backgrounds. We all have our different upbringings. But the Bible has a lot to say about how the church can navigate a world that is wildly different, yet at the same time remaining faithful to the way that God desires for us to live. And that's what this series is all about. It's all about how we can like, navigate this different world, how I think that the world has forgotten how to have healthy dialogue, and, and even um, we tend to avoid people, we tend to, to shame them, whether in the public arena, on, on social media, um, and we tear each other down. And I want to stop and recognize that um, this is taking place around the world, it's taking place here in our country, it takes place in our community, but it also is taking place inside the church and even inside families. It's become ugly and divisive, and I want us to learn what God's word has to say about navigating this while remaining faithful to the way that God told us to live. And so that's what we're going to be diving into. Now, um, today, like I said, is, is a bit of a kind of a big picture of where we're going, but it's also a look into like the consequences that we face as the church if we don't really like lean into the fact that we, that we are different and our world is different and that no one's alike. But we're going to learn how we can change the tone by learning that we might actually be wrong about a few things. 
Some of you are like, oh, that's going to be interesting. That's next week. You can tune in next week for that, all right? How the culture, or how the uh, church is called to love, how the church culture is, is called to love, although we may disagree, how we can see things from other people's perspective and maybe even find common ground with others that we necessarily have, uh, don't, don't see things the same way, and how we can personally and corporately as a church own a change in the civil tone of our world. Because right now, it's awful. And I want to begin by recognizing that being different is the way that God designed us to be. God designed us to be different. God designed each one of us with our own uniquenesses, with our own personality, with our own temperament. He designed us for a specific purpose. He designed us for a specific mission. And he designed us with wildly different backgrounds. No one can know who is going to be born in one part of the world and someone else is going to be born in another part of the world with all the differences that come along with that. But I believe that the first step towards leading and changing the, the tone of civility in our world is, is to recognize first and foremost that God did design us to be different. And if you don't understand that, just try a relationship with someone, with anyone, and you'll see the differences that exist. God created us uniquely. I want to remind some of you, and maybe for some of you, this is the first time you've seen some of these verses, but God's word has a lot to say about our differences, beginning with the psalmist in Psalm 139, 14. The psalmist writes this, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. The psalmist recognized that God made us, and I want you to see how many times we mention works here. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. That's talking about God's works, and my soul knows it very well. See, I think sometimes we jump on social media and we, we see the stark contrast and the differences and we see the loud saber rattling and the noise that's out there and, and we you know, turn on YouTube or we watch TV and it's always in front of us. And I think part of what happens is, is we begin to diminish our own God-given identity. Listen, I want you to hear this. Our own God-given identity. God has given us an identity, a personality, a makeup, a temperament. He's given us gifts and abilities. That's what the shape assessment, this isn't a commercial about the shape assessment, but it kind of is. Like he's given us the, the, uh, you know, the very um, like nuanced details of who we are. Shape is spiritual gifts and hearts and abilities and personality and experience. And we all have different nuanced aspects of that that make up who we are. Paul talks about this in Ephesians, in Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verse 10. He says, for we are his workmanship. I love that word because it comes from the Greek word poema, and I'm not a linguist at all, but I know that where we get the English, what English word we get from that word, the word poem. See, we are God's work of art. 
I'm not an artist, and so sometimes I have a hard time connecting with that, right? Like, I'm not much of an artist, but I appreciate good art. And I think sometimes when we hear, uh, you know, good music or we see a, a work of art that's beautiful, um, we, you know, it makes us wonder, wh- what, is, what is the creator of that work about? And that's the whole point is, is that we are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for, say it with me, for good what? Works. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Matthew chapter 10 verse 30 says, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Listen, we are created with different looks. We're created with different personality. We're created with different education and experience and religious culture and culture itself. And we're created with a different political background from each other in a different geography with different privilege and different politics. But here's the problem. Church, I want you to hear this. If you don't hear anything else that I say, because this sets us up for the next four weeks. The problem is, is that we look, the world is looking at the differences that we have with each other, especially some of those most obvious ones like race and like politics. And we look at those and and we cause them to be a source of discord and disagreement and discord and disagreement without a tone of civil and and civility and love is going to drive us off a cliff. And here's the real problem, is that the church right now, from my perspective and many, many Christian leaders' perspective, is following the world off the cliff. We are engaged in the nastiest form of communication that I've ever seen. And it's happening inside the church, and it's happening with the world So how in the world do we navigate this world that is full of differences and instead of following the world off this cliff, how do we lead? How do we stand up and say to the world, there needs to be a change in direction. We need to pause and change the tone. And head in the opposite direction. Because what we're doing right now, if you haven't figured it out, is not working. It's not working. I mean, part of the reason I've waited on this series is I wanted to see if maybe a political leader would rise up and, 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 and say to the world, hey, we need this change. And it hasn't happened. I thought maybe there'd be a Christian leader who would rise up and say, let's change the tone And it hasn't happened. All we do is yell louder and use stronger language and worse words. It's interesting to think about the fact that sometimes in our world, in our nation, and with humanity, there are times when um, crisis brings us together. You remember what happened after 9-11? Those of you who are alive. Do you remember what happens beginning to be longer and longer away, believe it or not? The time keeps going and going. Do you remember what happened after 9-11? You remember that time? I mean, people came together. 
People came together here in America. There was, there was a sense of unity in America. By the way, churches were filled to the brim. Filled, packed, looking for an answer because the world was in crisis. But we came together as a country and, and actually our allies came together. Like we came together as, as a unit. And sometimes crisis happens in, in humanity and it brings us together. It unifies us. But what has happened over the last year has divided us. And we can just keep on watching it divide. We can watch the, the race to try to figure out COVID-19 and all the failures that we've had with that. We can look at the terrible problem of racism and the wild um, you know, uh, violence that has occurred as a result of that and the political tone in America. We can sit by and we can watch all of that happen and we can participate and we can tell the world how we're right and they're wrong and we can tell each other how we're right and, and you're wrong and it doesn't work. Something has to change. Unless you say that unity is not one of the goals, I have to tell you that the Bible is clear that the church should be unified, but not around a certain political background, not around a certain person or group of people, but we should be unified around the desire to, to benefit the church and to be on our mission, the Apostle Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. He says this. Now, I want you to hear these words, whether you're at home or back on the backstage patio or here in the house. I want you to hear these words. Paul says, I appeal to you. I appeal to you. He's not saying, hey, I think this might be a good idea. I think it would be better if, I think that your best life is this. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you, what's that next word? Agree. That all of you agree. And that there be no, what's that next word? Divisions. Divisions in the church. Among you, he says, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people. I love how he mentions Chloe. It's like, oh boy, Chloe's in trouble. All right, Chloe's like told, right? That there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. And he says, is Christ Divided? Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God, I love this part, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. And by the way, Crispus is the best name in the New Testament. I love that name, isn't that great? Justin mentioned a few names last week in his message that some of you, if you're expecting, should use. And I think Crispus would be a great name. That would be awesome. Okay, so if you don't name that uh, boy Todd, name him Crispus. Okay, so anyway, he says, he says here, uh, uh, for, uh, he says, I thank God that I baptized you. I thank God that I baptized you. 
Crispus and Gaius, so that none, no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the house of Stephanus, uh, Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't know whether I baptized anyone else. He's saying, look, the church grew so fast. I don't have any followers. Because we're all following Jesus. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Listen, here's here's what, what Paul is telling the church. Paul is telling the church that, yes, we are different. But God designed us, and God designed us to be different. But he didn't design us to be divided. He didn't design us to be divided. My guess is, though, that within this group of people, just in this room and out on the backstage patio, and those of you at home, that we're going to have some differences, right? So how do we navigate that? How do we remain faithful to the call of Christ in our life and yet have differences? How do we recognize our uniquenesses in this world and respect others' uniquenesses in this world and celebrate those differences but remain undivided. I love Craig Rochelle. He's one of my favorite pastors. He's pastor of Life Church out in Oklahoma. Um, you guys have the U, U version uh, Bible app because of his church, Life Church. I love his church. I love what he's doing. And he tells the story of how he did a wedding once, and he, he typed in the word in the, in the manuscript like we pastors do. He typed in the word united, except he spelled it wrong. He added an I, and it was untied. Unfortunately, he didn't say it in the wedding, but he tells that story to illustrate if the I goes in the wrong place, we've got trouble. It's true, isn't it, church? We're either united or untied. And church, right now, we are going through a crisis where we are divided. We are following the world off the cliff. And today, I want to give you two ways that we can find ourselves in a very divisive world united. And how maybe we can begin the process of leading to to a more civil tone in the world so that we can accomplish our God-given mission. How in the world do we accomplish being united in such a divided world, the first thing is is that we are united when we use our uniqueness to benefit, our uniqueness is to benefit the whole church. We are united when we use our uniquenesses to benefit the whole church. Again, the Apostle Paul, just 11 chapters later in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, is, is encouraging and challenging this church that he, he really struggled with a few times along the way in Corinth. And, and he says this in verses 12 through 14. He says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all of the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. He says that we are one body. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. 
You see, we have to realize our place in the church, that our job is to individually find out how we're shaped and how we're created and benefit the church, not divide the church. And when we think of our role and our individual uniqueness as a benefit to the church as a whole, that's when we, as a church, begin to change the tone because that solves the problem internally. That solves the problem internally. Look, I, I realize that uh, you know, there are huge differences that exist in the church today, and um, you know, we, we, we all are, are being faced with what to do with masks. <laughs> I've never seen something that's been more divisive inside the church than this right here. And I respect whatever side you fall on, whether you're a person who thinks that this whole thing is made up and these are just worthless, or whether you think that we ought to be wearing these everywhere we go. I know for me, I've been as healthy as I've ever been because I've worn this all year. But church, here's the point. We have let this little piece of cloth divide us. It's time for us to stop making a big deal out of the small things. It's time for us to stand up and say, hey, I'm going to do this for certain reasons, or I'm not going to do this for certain reasons, and here's where I land on this, but I'm not going to let it divide me against my brother and sister in Christ, or even worse than that, within the same family, because we are all a part of the body of Christ. We are called to unity. We are called to unity. Secondly, we must ensure that our uniquenesses not only benefit the church as a whole, but benefit the mission of the church. See, when we are united, when we use our uniquenesses, not only to benefit the church as a whole and the body of Christ, but the mission of the church. I think the church has sometimes allowed society and, and allowed politics to kind of push us around. We've been bullied. And, and I realize you, you have your own political thoughts and I have my own political thoughts and there might be some overlap here and there and there is room for differences on that, no doubt about it. But you know what there's not room for? There's no room for the church being about a political party or a political ideal or a political person for the sake. Uh, uh, to, and instead, we're, we're about that and not the gospel. Our job is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we are to be known for and church over and over and over again I will call us to that mission because that's the thing that Jesus gave that he put in front of us that's the thing he called us to that's what he said this is what you're to be about and we've gotten bullied We've gotten bullied. It doesn't matter what side it is. Some of you are trying to figure out what side's he on, what side's he on, what side's he on. I'm not telling you what side I'm on because I'm on the side of Jesus. And I'm on the side of the gospel and church. We have got to have a reckoning with the gospel. Justin mentioned it last week with our students. 
with the next generation coming up that we've got to be about being intentional about sharing the gospel with them. But we have to be intentional to not let the world pull us off message. So you know I'm a huge Elon Musk fan. Even that, I realize, raises political eyebrows. Oh, Elon Musk fan. I just like space. I think rockets are cool. That's why I like Elon Musk, right? But that guy is so incredibly committed to his mission to go to Mars one day, to take people to Mars, isn't he? He even sold his place in California. He sold basically everything he has to move to Texas because he is on mission to go to Mars. Why isn't the church that strong? Why aren't we that strong? Not going to Mars. Why aren't we that strong for the sake of the gospel? It's because we get bullied by the world instead of leading the world. In church, for far too long, the world has heard what we are against and not what we're for. And unfortunately, part of following the world off of this uncivil, divisive cliff is that we've just gotten louder and louder and louder about what we're against. And there's a time and a place to stand up. We're going to talk about that in coming weeks. But if we don't first get the gospel right, we have nothing to stand on. If we don't first get our mission that Jesus gave us, he gave this to the church, to those of you who are called Christ followers, to the whole body that makes up the church. He gave us this mission. And if we are on any other mission than this mission, then we are not truly following his lead. And we are never going to be people who can change the tone We're united when we use our uniquenesses to benefit the mission of the church. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, he says, go therefore. Jesus, this is the great commission or mission that he's given us. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I think we're getting closer and closer to the end of the age. And Jesus is with us on this mission. We don't do this alone. But church, we all have to be on the same page. Now, I realize that the makeup of our church, the makeup of the church, the makeup of each individual Christ follower is that some of you are good at you know, evangelism, some of you are, that's not your top spiritual gift. But the problem is, is that far too many of us are yelling at the world about all these other ancillary things when we should be speaking the truth of the gospel message that there is no other way to spend eternity in heaven apart from God's Son, Jesus, that he took the sin punishment of us all, died on the cross, rose again three days later. Church, that is what the world should know that we're for. Let's stop 
letting the world, screaming at the world, letting the world know everything that we're against. Instead, let us let the world know what we're for, that we're for their future, not just here on this earth, but wait for it, for eternity. That we want to see them come to Christ in anything that we do or say that gets like to becomes a louder message ought to be pressed down a few rungs. That this is the mission that we are on. My question to you today is if we are more unified when we use our uniquenesses to benefit the whole church, and when, if we are more unified when we use our uniquenesses to benefit the mission of the church, my question for you today is what are you doing? What are you doing? How are you doing in terms of letting the world know that you are a Christ follower who is for their future and for the benefit of each other? The world doesn't need to hear more things that are right. We're going to get to that in a few weeks. They don't need to hear more information. We certainly don't need to hear more science. I know more science uh, about viruses now than I ever wanted to know in my life, and I'm not even sure if half of it's right. (laughs) The world doesn't need to hear that from us. They need to hear the message of Jesus. It's why our mission is to passionately share the message of Jesus and to lead people to follow him. Church, I believe that God's given me a new vision for Hilton Head Island Community Church. I'm so excited to, to kind of begin un, unpacking some of that for you um, uh, in, a, in a few weeks. Um, I can't wait to start letting you know about that because it has so much to do with people. But if we don't get this right, if we don't get these foundational things right about having agreement internally and letting the world know that we are on mission for them, I don't believe that he is going to let us achieve those things that he's put out there in front of us. It's time for us to get this right. The world needs it. We need it. Your families need it. The next generation needs it. Maybe even you need it. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I realize that the times that we're in are unusual. They can be a bit overwhelming, maybe even slightly discouraging and depressing. And Father, right now, I, I pray that you would encourage Christ followers everywhere within the sound of my voice. God, I pray that you would um, allow us to not equate changing the tone of civility and public discourse to compromise. I pray that you would keep us from the temptation to think that if if we find common ground and we find where we agree that we're somehow compromising, God, you called us to be unified. You called us to lock arms, to work together, even though we're different. And Father, for my part of that, for Todd Cullen's part of that, I pray that you would reveal 
anything that I am doing or anything that I'm not doing that would cause our church to be unhealthy and cause the mission to be diminished and the message to be diminished. And Father, I pray that each one of us that you would reveal right now and over the course of the next few weeks to each one of us how we can lead the world, that we can keep humanity from jumping off the cliff of this world getting uglier and uglier if we will stop and realize how our differences, how our uniquenesses fit into the overall health of the church, this local body, and the capital C church. And Father, I pray that you would help us to realize how our uniquenesses can be used to the greater mission that you put us on, to go and to tell and to baptize. And Father, I pray for Hilton Head Island Community Church's part. God, I pray over the next year that we would see more people come to know you as their Savior because we figured this out. Even though we may fail a time or two, we figured this out. God, I pray for more people to be baptized in your name and become followers of you because we figured this out. God, I pray that you would help us to work towards unity of health and unity of mission, realizing that we have one God and that you are God and that you are the one that we follow. Help us, God, despite our differences and in celebrating our differences to be on mission for you and for your sake in every area of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.